we're live. Oh, you guys can like her, but hey, we're live. Um, yesterday's live beginning was the funniest live beginning of all time, by the way. You have to check it out. And, and, and it I, really was. And I did keep I did keep it on our for our listeners on tune in. I did keep the entire show. So uh, yes. You get those treats every once in a while. That was really funny. Kevin was about to say something and I said and Kevin's like, and I also must that I'll say and I'm like, and you shouldn't talk because we are alive now. And he said nothing. It was great. It was good. Um yeah, so we're just having a little discussion on Kate Bush brief, briefly. Um, for those of you who don't know Kate Bush, she was Lady Gaga for for, for us in this in the eighties. She was Tori Amos before Tori Amos. Yeah, she was definitely the inspiration for Tori Amos. Who was the inspir- Tori Amos was the inspiration for Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Kate Bush has lost on me. I I couldn't name yeah. you a song. I Wuthering Heights. Has a good, huh? Wuthering Heights. Don't know it. Now, are you you guys are Prague fans, but you know, and, and Kate Bush is definitely Prague, no question about it. Um, See, that's where I differ. I think she's more, you know, except for the Prague more, people, never think she's female singer. alternative singer songwriter. All right, yeah, I guess. I mean, Wuthering Heights, the first song she did was um, that album came out when she, she was discovered by David Gilmore. Oh, David. Oh, yeah, that's right, David Gilmore. Of Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, the first song she did uh, that was big was called Weathering Heights, which which was on an album that she put out when she was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has always been terrified of flying and traveling in general, so she's never really toured. No. Um, but she just came out with a live album, in which she did in England, of course, where she lives. Um, and she's up there now in years. I mean, you know, I don't know what she is. She's probably... She's in her 50s. Yeah, 50s, mid-50s, early 50s. Well, then I'm up there, too. What are you getting at? What I'm saying is, <laughs> Russ, um, no, they, I mean, the Prague fans never gave, never, you know, are unwilling to accept mainly women in me. Like, I mean, like now there's different kinds of, about that. give about me a this? Prague band that you think is, is female driven. Well, I don't know a female product, <laughs> but, but well, here's the thing. Play like a sample of, of this Wuthering Heights song, because I don't know if I know it, but I can tell you if I think it's Prague. All right. Let me see if I have it. I can do that. Um, yeah, no, she's – I mean, Wuthering Heights is not – Any song. Just any song. Wuthering Heights is kind of Prague. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We never do this on the show. Really, really quickly, we're going to do this here, because I do think this is worth the time here. Um, all right, so I'm going to add this song. He's 58 years old. To my, okay, thanks. Add the playlist. And she is, here you go. She is described in terms of genres of music as art rock, art pop, avant-garde, experimental, baroque pop. (laughs) If it ain't baroque, don't fix it. As they always say. That's gobbledygook. If it ain't baroque, don't fix it. Um, All right, so here we go. All right. Um, Alexa, play Kate Bush, Wuthering Heights. Playing Wuthering Heights. Good job. So this is 17-year-old Kate Bush. This song was covered by, I think, I'm going to say Pat Benatar. Now, I got introduced to this by the same person who introduced me to King Crimson at the same time. that I. So I've always put them together, which is really weird, I know. But Corey the Crimson King. I can tell you my answer. So I'm sure. She's no, not. she's Prague. That's that's. Give me a little chorus. One second here. Okay. 
So and that's a prog song. It is. It's a really cool song. Um, and prog uh, rock song. I, I'm. I think it's okay. I, I'm not. I mean, the, 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 the only thing that's prog about it is like you know, like like anything Genesis or Yes. That's it's it's the, the the lyrics are always derived from like mythology or things of that nature. I'm not even going by the lyrics. I'm going by the by song the way the drums right, so are, the way the guitar is. Well, in about three hours, I'm going to be rehearsing over in that side with my band. Um, of, of my <laughs> that is a prog song. That is my. All right, and I'm I'm going to be with one of the one of the a, a prog legend basically is my guitarist Brett Cole, who was in the prog band Echolin, which mm -hmm. is a big oh. band. Okay. You know Echolin? I've heard of them. Okay, so they were on Sony Records, and um, they toured toured around with like I think I'm going to say like Dream Theater Dream, or Dream, Dream Academy. Theater, yeah. Dream Theater. Okay. And um, anyway, so and we have this discussion all the time about what's prog and what's not prog because he was in a prog band and was a subject to all the prog message boards and people determining that this is prog or that's not prog enough or if you're not if, if something doesn't have enough weird key signatures it's not prog if it's not 20 minutes long it's not prog well all these things no that's not true that's bullshit yeah but there's a lot of people you know who feel that way um about what progressive music is to me to me it was music that didn't follow like your standard verse chorus verse chorus type thing correct and also had a certain like element of classical music to it that's what progressive is. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, look. I'm not a musician. I read a little bit of music, so I'm just going with the feel of it from listening to tons of prog rock over the years, and that has the feel of it. Yeah, it does have the feel of it, and that's why when I was turned on to it, "Court of the Crimson King," which is not a very proggy sounding record, honestly, either. No. Um, but it is. There's no question that King Crimson is a progressive. Oh rock yeah, band. I mean, it broke all yeah. the rules. No, I mean, you know, and this is the thing: it's like King Crimson, their use of sort of like musical dynamics in terms of like they're not like a blasting you know like i mean something like 20 21st century schizoid man is a is a blaring blasting song but then you right. have a song like epitaph which is a ballad basically right right and they, and she has blaring she has screaming songs now she's a woman and that is definitely when you have a female voice doing that it's it, it gets people some people grates people the wrong way um some progress I, I like female singers i i am not a person who says you can't have a female prog rock singer or an all-female prog rock band oh, is, about renaissance is is evanescence a prog rock band i mean i, I, I would not call evanescence a prog rock band they had um, a very proggy song yes that was that was popular um but i would call renaissance a prog rock band now they were led by like annie haslam who was i a don't know renaissance you don't know renaissance i've heard, oh. I've heard I've heard of Renaissance. Oh, man, Russ, there is something you should listen to. Go down that rabbit hole. You will love them. Okay. I'll check it out. Annie lives in the area, too. She's from England. Um, but um, how about Fairport Convention? She's you from England, that? but she lives in Cherry Hill. Is that what you're saying? No, no she, lives in, she lives near near me now, actually. Oh, okay. But she was from England. Um, how about Fairport Convention? You know Fairport Convention? I don't. I don't. Richard Thompson? I know. Richard, Richard Thompson was, was – and Sandy Denny, who passed away, was the singer of Fairport Convention. And that's another – Fairport Convention and Renaissance, I saw together when I was a kid at like at a, at um like the TLA or someplace like that. Okay. See, I, I, with me with pro, with me with me with progressive, it's like I'm a, I'm a big fan of what you would consider classic progressive and the new generation. Like, there's very few like Dream Theater, Porcupine Tree. There's a uh, um um there's another uh couple that are that are pretty decent but that I mean Marillion when Marillion had yes. a good run they were progressive I guess Muse is considered progressive I don't I mean, think Muse is. is Muse is a big Canadian thing 
Um, I don't think Muse is, you know, I've heard Muse. I'm not a big fan. I get why people like them, but I don't think they're progressive rock. I don't. But yeah, I, consider, so hard I, consider, I consider Rush progressive. I mean, yeah, yeah, see, I think no, Rush definitely is. See, I don't. Um, but well, the, big, mean, the big, the big question is this: the big the, with Brett and I, we always said the band asked people if they were progressive or not. The one that that borders right on the edges that we all know is Pink Floyd. Right. Yes. Like, is Pink Floyd a prog rock band? They were at times, and at other times they weren't. They were while Sid Barrett was in the band. Right. Before, before that was they, really early. Before they yeah. hit it big. Because they were, they were more psychedelic art rock. And then, you know, the, some people say acid rock because everybody at their concerts was dropping acid probably. But, yeah, no, I wouldn't consider them progressive. I, I consider them sort of like sort of that art rock Mm -hmm. no, they were they were, they were in the in in the sort of Bowie category without the glam, without the the dressing up. But they were at one time, and then they crossed over. That's what. What they about? Were. I mean, the Wall and Wish You Were Here. I mean, they're a very progressive sounding album. It's, it's a concept album, but it doesn't mean that they just because right. they do a concept. Okay, so concept doesn't mean progressive to you. Correct. No, no, not at all. I mean, how do you define progressive? I mean, it took to me. It's it, it's it's technical proficiency. It's well, they're know, great musicians. Well, no, 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 no. I, I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying, like, you know, like they have to try harder things. They have to play harder. Yeah, you, you time, time signatures. I mean, you know, okay. just, the just unconventional things. Yes. See, it's, now you've now you've hit all the wrong chords with me because now you. It said, is. Now, it's unconventional. It is. No, no, no. Unconventional. Pink Floyd's unconventional. I mean, I, I completely unconventional. Sure. Kate Bush is unconventional. I mean, there's um. You know, Genesis was unconventional with Peter Gabriel and not as unconventional with Phil Collins. Yes. Um, but I do, I do not think it has to be weird and in weird time signatures and difficult to play to be considered no. progressive music. No, 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 no. I'm not is, saying it's not about a degree of difficulty. What Mike did say about proficiency is true. It's all about like when you hear some of the bridges, you just kind of know it's progressive rock, right. and it's it's hard to really put a well, definition. No, usually, what that is 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 the um. Well, technically, if I have my keyboard with me, I usually do. But I don't. If I had it, it, you know, when you when you rise, we have a joke in the band that if you rise three major chords together, you get a prog rock sound, and it's immediately okay. the case. And you have that, you know, in lots of situations. Um, but to me, progressive just is something that is more along the lines of combining classical music tones, mm -hmm. which is which is themes like musical themes that right. return and come back, and that's the that's the idea of classical music, not instrumentation, but the idea of thematic music with popular music and putting them to and rock and roll putting them together that's how you get progressive rock that's how you get genesis that's how you got yes that's how you got all these things so but and yet and but i don't i'm not into like the frippatronics type world of like where everything has to be played you know in 516th or whatever no 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 and then that may see so that and but i have but I, there are people who are i mean i've i've okay. i've been with Brett enough to and read well, enough message boards with him on the road to know that he's how, how some of these people are about progressive yeah. rock and how they are. It's just insane. There, there, there's 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 enough instances in progressive rock, and then we'll get into talking to hockey. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. hockey. I forgot about there's, that. There's, there's enough instances in progressive rock, like you know, okay, I, I love King Crimson, I love In the Court of the Crimson King. It was a landmark album, but if you listen to a song called Moonchild, the first two or three minutes is great. With Greg Lake vocal, with Greg Lake's vocals, and you know the understated guitar of Robert Fripp, and then it's basically a sonic experiment for about ten minutes, and it's dreadful, it's boring, and I, it's like that's the thing. Sometimes it's genius. There are tracks on the Lamb Lies Down yeah. on Broadway in Genesis that are just basic. It's basically sounds. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah. that, that's interesting for a while, but you know what? After a while, it gets boring. You want to hear some fast forwards on Lamb Lies on Broadway? I'm not gonna lie. I and do. This is why I like. 
some Radiohead and not other Radiohead because oh, some yeah. Radiohead is very good. Some Radiohead is just like you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm there. not big on Radiohead. Yeah, OK Computer is a landmark album. That's a phenomenal. That's as good as that's as good as as um, Dark Side of the Moon, in my opinion. It's. it's uh, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, if if you look at the influence that OK yeah. Computer had on oh, yeah. on this this recent generation it's as impactful as dark side of the moon well, you know, influence fine i'm not going to argue influence but i'm just saying beautiful it for is, me it's not as beautiful that's as dark side of the moon too all right that's my opinion all right let's get on with the show good good old okay. good old talking here okay get it button we'll be on for that <laughs> we'll save that for progressive rock buzz here on Hockey. yeah we need to do that sometime i found the bell um <laughs> of course i lost the hammer again um so don't have each of them at one point i have this i have this so i'm gonna try All right. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, December 15th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching and listening to, or both if you're in some places, um, the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world so you don't have to pay attention. And if you were, unless you stayed up very late last night, you would not have seen the Flyers extend their streak to 10 games, which is which is equivalent to the streak they had in 1985. Um, and, and I have to say, I've seen, you know. Oh, no, it's not equivalent to that. Well, they, they had, no, it, they, it, it's. That was 35 games unbeaten. No, no, not the 80. No, that was 80. That was 80. In 85, they had a 13 oh, okay. game, they had a 13 game unwinning streak. They had a 13 game winning streak. 13 game winning this streak. Is, this is the second longest to that. It's second, but it's not equivalent to that. Right. It's not equivalent to it, but it's. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. At this point, it's less than or equal to that. <laughs> With that, so um, and it because that because that's where it is. Um, and it's funny because we have all seen every you know every year somebody goes on a ten game winning streak in the NHL. It, it happens every year. Somebody does. Maybe two teams sometimes. Um, and and you know and and we all watch them very carefully. And I've watched this. And I, I as a Flyers fan, it may which I am. You guys know I grew up a Flyers fan. It may come to surprise you to hear me say that this is the weakest 10 game winning streak i've ever seen <laughs> i mean it's one of them and i'm not i'm not and i'm not trying to say that as any knock on the flyers at all they des it is about winning games like it this right. is no this is no different than how when they were very good a couple years ago but they lost all these games by one goal that was terrible you know this is this is this is incredible to actually find ways to win which they've done um on you know through a very busy schedule and in different ways like they did last night. Um, last night, it really felt like they ran into a team that's just had such terrible luck in Colorado. Oh, it's uh, more than that. It's it was more than that, but they, the, the Avalanche, towards the end of that game, did not look like a team that should be in the lottery. I mean, they that last 10 minutes of that game, that team showed how good they can be. They, they were flying around. They were yeah, for a couple around. of minutes in a game, though. Like here, oh, I know. Here, here was my, my marker on that game. The goal that... Roman Lubimov scored was ridiculous in the sense that yeah. there was a puck hanging around in the crease area. You could have counted to like three Mississippi. He saw it and he actually did a slap shot on it. It's maybe the closest slap shot I've seen in a game, like close meaning yeah. close to the goalie in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And he should never have been able to wind up like that. But there is absolutely no defense for, for on that team and for most of that game there wasn't yeah, yeah. I, I have the benefit of see, i have recently seen the the colorado avalanche play in toronto and 
this was on the weekend when after uh, Varlamov and Pickard had been bombed for 10 goals against Montreal. And if it wasn't for a, you know, Varlamov was in blue tights and a red cape. He had 51 saves against Toronto, and that was the only yeah. reason that they won the game. Their defense is abysmal. You know, yeah. when you know you have Eric Johnson, but he's hurt right now. Tyson Berry is their de facto number one. And when you're picking up guys off the scrap heap like Patrick Weirkosh and Eric Jelena, you're in deep trouble. They do have top end talent. I love McKinnon. He's a great player. I think I think Matt Duchesne is a great player, but there's not enough of that to overcompensate for their defense being dreadful. And there's probably not enough defense from their forwards either. That was something else that I noticed. Like that Braden Shen goal is as easy a goal as you're going to get, Eck. All yeah, you had to no, do I was agree. basically – all you had to do is get one step and a head of steam and nobody touched him and the goalie totally misplayed it in the sense that he knew – you could have guessed where Braden Shen was going with that puck and he didn't track it well. No, you're right. I mean, I completely – and and it's it's funny because the Flyers have had a couple goals like that. I mean, yeah. Raffle scored a goal like that the other day. Shen scored yes. a goal like that as well against Detroit. Um, pretty much the same goal. Um, and for whatever reason, that is something in the NHL that I've noticed. And I, th- I I'm going to draw this to the fact that we have a lot of offensive minded defensemen in the league right now. Uh-huh. That this is a play that you can that you can you take advantage of if you're a speedy player because these offensive mind defenders aren't willing to do what that has to take to make, to stop that play. Because if you're going to, if you're going to go down the boards and fly in front of the net, you have to make that player pay for trying to do that. Like you have to really, you cannot let that player do what, that, what, you know, what raffle and Shen have been able to do now in two games to win these games, the flyers. It's, it's, it's crazy. There is, the risk. Are, there is yeah. when you become a mostly offensive league, like, like it has become right. Mm-hmm. That is one of the byproducts. Like I was watching the Phantoms last night and Josh Hosang, and, and Dan would be interested to know, he probably knows already, that Hosang was on the penalty kill, but not once did he exhibit any defensive play on the penalty kill. He didn't really go in the corners. He just kept looking for that pass that he could turn into an offensive play rather than actually play some defense on the penalty kill. And, and I think now that's what's happening on defense in the NHL. You, you don't have as much play in the corners. You don't have as many guys trying to slow anybody down because they know they're going to get a penalty. So now that play does open up. Yeah. yeah. And, that's it, a point. and here's, here's an indication. What's your point? <laughs> well, no, I think it's, I think I, no, I, I was adding your accentuating part of it was very good. But, you know, that's all. Here's, oh, an, there. here's an indication of why the Colorado Avalanche are where they are right now. Other than picks in the top two, Landeskog and McKinnon, they are getting, and and you can't we can't make judgments on on uh, the the twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen prospects. You know, Rantanen, Rantanen looks like he's a, he's going to be a good. He looked player. good last night. Okay, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go from twenty from twenty ten all the way to twenty fourteen, Connor Bleakley no longer in the organization, first round pick. Uh, Joey Hishin. Uh, yeah, he had concussion issues. Concussion problems, but you know, uh, Duncan Siemens, 11th pick overall, one game in the NHL. They're getting nothing from any of the depth picks. And you know, the, the guy like Joseph Blandis, he's played 41 games, but he's played them for New Jersey. So they're yeah. getting nothing out of their depth picks in the organization. And that's, you know, that is why they're failing right now, because they're not developing their own, and they're overpaying for guys, and they're, and they're filling in holes with guys like Fetter Tutin. Who are who are long in the yeah. tooth? It's not a winning formula for that for that team. I have a great thing, a great a great um, transition to something that I wanted to talk about from what you said there, Mike. Um, so, th- 
a poster on on Reddit hockey called mm -hmm. Ice Bear Meant to Do That <laughs> um, came up with a really cool thing, um, which is if every NHL team only had and kept their drafted players, and that's all, if there were no trades. Right. And what these teams would look like. Well, Mike Milbury would still be a GM. That's that's definite. But it's so it's it's pretty phenomenal. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop it up here so you guys can see it. And Tuukka Rask would be the Leafs' starting goaltender, and they would. Have you'll go through that. I'll show you. So it's really interesting. So here we go. So, all right. If they only had so here we go. So now as you're looking through this, start with the top, right? Um, you can go from the Anaheim Ducks. Um, it's this is a fascinating list, and I. But some of the things that really strike you on this is, for example, as we go down here. You know, let's go to like a team that we know very well. Let's go to Toronto for a second and see who will be the Toronto Maple Leafs players um, if they only play off their draft picks, right? And you have like one left wing there in Komarov. Right. <laughs> you know, they have no other left wings that they've drafted. Um, and they've got Matthews, Steen, Kadri, Nylander, Stajan. Um, on, the, on the right, they've got Marner, Brown, Stahlberg, Hayes. These aren't great. These, this is not a great drafting job on defense no. riley and strawman you know i forget about that like you said rask luke shen and patern holzer gunnerser gunnerson um this is not the greatest you know team in the world which shows you you really get to see on here what teams have done based on right their trades you know well they're true but but okay the leafs have had to go out and make trades because between i would say well first of all you had and this is going back into the 90s, but you had Cliff Fletcher with draft schmaft. You had right. Pat, Quinn, Pat Quinn who would go into free agency and bring in veteran guys like McGilney and Roberts and Corson, and then he would fill holes by acquiring, acquiring veterans for draft picks like Glenn Wesley and Brian Leach. Then you, and, then you, and then you had the John Ferguson administration who you know, some of the draft picks that they traded for Quinn – were gone when Ferguson was drafting. He had one great draft, and the rest of his drafts were hor horrific. Brian Burke traded two first-round picks for Phil Kessel. So, you know, only in the last couple of years under Mark Hunter and under Brendan Shanahan have they really started to focus in on their own, on developing their own players. And, yeah. and teams that have, have perpetuated that in terms of going outside the organization, they don't win. It's a combination of drafting your own players and making the right moves in free agency and trade. There are some things that don't show up there, though. Like what doesn't show up is like the effect, the effect of salaries. What doesn't show up there is mm -hmm. what a player or a player agent says, trade me. What doesn't show up there is when an organization sees that a player is not fitting in and maybe there's things going on that don't get reported, that doesn't show up, and then it looks like a bad trade. Like yeah. there's a lot of different things. Oh, there are, and there's some teams that you just. But the amazing thing is, you can see that, the, for example, the Nashville Predators. Okay, yeah. I was going through them. They have they don't have a single center that they've drafted in the NHL. That's kind of crazy. That is kind of crazy. Not any. I mean, yet their defense is Weber, Suter, Yossi, yeah. Franzen, Ekholm, Jones, Klein, Hamhus. I mean, their defense is crazy, right? So they can there go. Is a thing, there is a thing with drafts that's true, and and the thing about drafts that's true is what teams are good at. They generally keep drafting. Yeah. And there are teams that have blind holes in certain spots all the time. Like look just, at the Calgary Flames. This is a real, I mean, this is yeah. really crazy. The Calgary Flames drafting history. Okay. They have these left wings, Goudreau, Bennett, Kachuk, Varchi, Granlund. But then they have the centers in Monaghan, Johnson, Backlund. They have no right wings. They have four defensemen that are playing in the NHL right now that they've drafted. <laughs> and yeah. one goalie. The defenseman definitely could be better. Uh, but here's the thing. 
here's the thing, though. When you see just left wings, there's so many guys you could switch from left to white, right. Of so I, don't, I don't get that crazy. No, I agree with you on that. I agree. But centers just... is a bigger problem to me. Like when you showed me the Nashville centers thing, that's a bigger problem. Yeah, no, that's a huge problem. And I mean, or and defense. You see... Or if you look somewhere for defense, I see the goaltending where you're going with Philly. That's gonna change. But yeah. today it's not changing. Oh yeah, but now check out the Penguins. Okay, their top line. This is the ma magical Penguins who are you know Stanley Cup champions. Their top line would be Crosby, Yager, and Kanaki. <laughs> Kunakle, yeah. Kunakle, right? Kunakle, sorry. And then second line: Malkin, Vitali, and Bennett. <laughs> Stahl, Wilson, and Rust. Mm -hmm. you know, Bluger, Getzel, and Sprung. I mean, this is like this is a. I mean, this is the Stanley Cup champion team we're talking about here. You know. Yeah. Um, that's I mean, at they've least, built through trades, obviously, you know, and free agency. No, no free, you know, free agency. Free. I mean, uh, yeah, free agency. It's a combination. It's not just draft. You can't. No, but here's an interesting one too, Mike. So when you were showing Philly for defensemen, yeah, they always had to acquire defensemen. And actually, yeah. um, when you look at it, when you look at their guys, you're like, okay, yeah, they before this group before Hextall was in, they didn't do a great job of drafting. Gostaspier was one of them. Yeah, and he was he was their best example. Sabiza was good, but it wasn't great. Seidenberg, yes, that was good, but he turned out to be a lot better down the line. But if you after watching the Phantoms last night, the Flyers are not going to have to purchase a, a a defenseman in free agency because Moran is very much improved. Robert Hogg might be the most improved in the sense that really? he has made the biggest jump from last year to this year. Sanheim looks terrific. Reese Wilcox looks great. I mean, that's four guys right there. So. When they get thrown into the system and you start losing some of your, your high-cost guys, that's going to be a way the Flyers can sort of balance the uh, the books. Plus, they have goalies. Carter Hart just made the uh, the World Junior team for, for Canada. So that's yeah. it does show you the difference and the change. It really does. I mean, and and you I mean you see it clear you see it clear as day. And and I mean the fact is right now the Flyers have the top scoring defense in the NHL by quite a bit. Um, yeah. Their defense is just killing it. And then you have all those players you're talking about that aren't even there yet. So, right. I mean, they're talking about a, a team that really had no, you know, when they when they signed Andy McDonald, they had to sign Andy McDonald because they had nothing. Yeah. So we and should make a, a transition when you're ready into yeah, analytics because there's some there's been some gentle moving away from analytics in the last couple of days in the NHL. Okay. Wow, yeah, I don't know it. if you've noticed or not. I have not noticed. I, I I sense something was wrong. I you know I had I had a cold, but you know yeah. Go ahead. What's going on? Yeah, something is something is not uh, jiving in the space time continuum. Something is a mess. Yeah. What's happening? Well, okay. I mean, I to me it it stems from everything that's going on in Florida because I think that this is sending signals throughout the league. I mean, especially the fact that it's it's just it appears to be just a big morass, a big mess in Florida. And the thing that came out yesterday, uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll go into that a little bit because it's not on, exactly on the analytics page, but the whole uh, Dale Talon situation in Florida. Yeah, we'll do that after. Right, but but uh, the uh, John Chayka, the, the GM of the Arizona Coyotes, uh, was on uh, uh, Hockey Central this, this afternoon and was talking about uh, Lawson Krause, who they picked up from Florida in a trade. And you know, the, the question was essentially, well, you're an analytically-based organization, and so is Florida. Why did the analytics tell you that Krause was good when theirs was telling that it's bad? And he, in a sense, distanced, distanced himself away from what Florida was doing analytically, 
Now, I don't know if that's just like their different philosophies or the fact that teams are starting to get a little bit scared of putting their neck out there and basing transactions on analytics because if you do and the player is a failure, then analytics is a failure. Right. And he actually, if I'm right, Mike, he didn't he say, well, I'm not even sure about the analytics all the time for these kinds of things. He said something like that. Yes. And it wasn't just only on crowds. So he said that as like a general statement. Yes. And, 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 and so that was what got me was like, he said, okay, he's saying this now as a general statement where that used to be his job. His job right, was he right. was the analytics guy. Right, right. And so, but now he's a GM, right? So now he's realizing, I think as a GM, okay, there is a fine line between analytics and everything else. And then Mike can tell you about a tweet that was sent. Well, yeah, and then Chris Johnston uh, at, at the morning skate uh, at in Toronto was uh, talking to uh, Mike Babcock, and apparently, you know, the, there's a defensive pairing for the Leafs right now whose analytics numbers, whose possession numbers are horrific. It's it's Matt Hunwick and, and Roman Pola, and you know the analytics people want guys like Marinson out there or, or Connor Carrick or even Frank Corrado, who in a limited window probably have better analytics numbers. And Babcock basically said, you know, he. he he didn't poo-poo Corsi, but he said, well, I know that these guys, you know, they're my main penalty killers because, you know, they get the puck out of the zone. They prevent offensive chances. Their possession numbers may not be the greatest, but, you know, he was he was offering a caveat. He was offering an excuse, which means to me, he doesn't buy this numbers crap. Right. He, his big caveat was he's like, but the pucks aren't going in. And if right. the pucks aren't going in, he doesn't care how many shots against occur. Yeah. And he's right. In a way, he's right. Well, of course he's right. I mean, that's – It's results-based. Yeah, Pol Polak and to a lesser extent Hunwick are prototypical defensive defensemen, meaning, you know, they may not skate well, but they block shots. They're tough in front of the net. They hit, they hit along the boards. You know, the, those defensemen in this – in this analytical world, you know, it's it, it's all focused on the player, the defenseman who can skate, the yeah. defenseman who can possess the puck, who can keep it away from the other team. But sometimes you need a guy who can push somebody out from in front of the net. And that's yeah. the thing. These coaches see you cannot have, you know, six Marc-Andre Bergerons on your team. You need somebody yeah. with some – I could give a basketball analogy. Like when I used to play point guard – I used to be this annoying guy where if you brought the ball up, I kept knocking it away. Now, my possession would be horrible, right, because I'm not possessing the ball, but I'm also tiring you out and making you chase it. And we're literally on the penalty kill. You don't always have to possess the puck. You just have to kill the time. You just have to get the time down to the point where you get the other guy back on the ice and eventually hit, you know, you do want eventually to get the puck and shoot it down the ice. But even if you just keep knocking it away from the other team, if they're not scoring, who cares? So, so what you're saying, Russ, is you were the Dikembe Mutombo of the uh, the, the basketball? <laughs> Except I was like five foot five. You know? <laughs> it's like two feet shorter yeah. than Dikembe. Um, that's where they get crazy with the analytics a little bit. And now yeah. now since Florida, yeah. now and, – and Chica was a great one to sort of see this interview. And then now that the realization is, okay, we, we will look at the analytics – but Chico, when talking about Lawson Kraus, didn't talk about his statistics or analytics because he's only got three goals. He talked about his six foot four frame, the fact that he's 215 pounds and he's fast, and we know he can play defense. 
And, and that's what he's talking about, which in the end of, of the day, that's what they were looking for in a player. They weren't looking for the analytics of that player. Yeah. I mean, that is really I – mean, it's funny because you want to like – I mean, I'm not, an, I'm not an analytics person, but I love statistics. Sure. Yep. Um, but, but I don't think that – I do believe in hockey people. Like at the end of the day, I, have, I really believe in hockey people. I believe in Dale Talon, and I've said this all along. Mm-hmm. Like, I think – I believed in Dale Talon when he was in Chicago, and I thought he got screwed there. I believe in you know, there's other guys like that that I you know really that well, are really that are hockey people that you just I just trust hockey people. They there's an instinct to having watched the game as long as they have to knowing where a player can go and how good a player is beyond well, any statistic, right? So well, the thing is, is that that Florida story that came out, Darren Drager reported it yesterday that uh, that Talon was basically back in day-to-day control of the of the organization and and uh the ceo of the panthers came out i don't know i can't remember i think his name was caldwell came out and said well and, and vinnie viola came out and said well he's always been in control yeah no that was going to oh, you knew that was going to be that you knew that was going to be that because that's been their thing right that has been their thing all along you right. knew and, and, and you know what i don't know how many times how many different ways you could say bull crap but that's bull crap because you're telling me that dale talon would have made some of the trade the, the erica branson deal i don't think so yeah, I mean, I don't, it, think, I don't think he would have made half the deals that this group of uh, this group that that took over for him, including Tom Rowe, yeah. uh, that, that they would have they would have made those deals. No way. That team has taken a dramatic step backward. They were uh, one of the one of the more uh, encouraging franchises the last couple of years, and the, the the moves that they've made not you know not all of them were, were bad, but you. you you have to look through almost thirty games of the season and look at the way that team is playing and say they aren't they weren't constructive. I mean, yeah. I, here's my big thing, Eck, and then you could tell me about you know you know a lot about the inner workings for Florida, but I don't know. It's going to be hard for Tom Rowe to get on the same page with Dale Talon for yeah. obvious reasons because he took over his job. No, I mean, it's like a circle of life thing. Can Dale Talon yeah. fire him? You know, it's like if he's the general manager. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I knew more about the, the what I know about the Florida inner, inner workings of the Florida organization is that no one seems to know what the hell is going on because I've talked to so many people who've told me different things, people that I trust, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which and then when someone you trust tells you something that is seems completely different, like um, I was told and I went on the show, we talked about it, um, that Dale Talon was that he was going to still be in charge and that he was that this was a matter of him not wanting to do some of the business things that hockey people don't like to do and. And he wasn't. Go- he was going to travel more and do more scouting, which he loves to do, uh, things like that. Um, but we didn't see him in Philly. Like he hasn't. Right, been right. And he hasn't been traveling. And then the person who told me that I was later told was also not really doing much anymore as well. So that <laughs> right. was that was you know that was so that Dale Talon was definitely being pushed aside. And it was like Chicago, even though they swore to me it wasn't. But the person who swore to me it wasn't was a person who apparently didn't real wasn't real was kind of on the outs at the time as well. So. Right. I mean, the the whole thing is very confusing, and and then I know some people there got fired. There are really good people who are just baffled by the whole thing. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and now apparently, I mean, this was uh, this was mentioned on Hockey Central this afternoon was the fact that now you know Talon is considered the the contact person for other general managers in the league, whereas before he may not have been. It may have been. He wasn't. He wasn't before, and so and that's strange too because. You know, if if I know anything about Dale Talon, it's like he's doing this because it's his job, right? He's not right. he has to do this. He's paying paid by them. He's got a contract with them, and he, unless right. they fire him, he's not, or he has a better opportunity somewhere. He's not going to go somewhere else. You know, right. 
but but the but the whole but the whole thing and if you connect the three things together Arizona the comments of Babcock and Florida teams are running for cover when it comes to analytics right now because the numbers are not bearing out in terms of wins on the ice sometimes possession numbers for winning teams suck sometimes they're great it's not we play a, as we were we, we cover a sport where guys take shots with 30 seconds left from the point that go through 16 different legs and sticks. And sometimes they go wide. Sometimes they hit the post. Sometimes they go into a goalie's glove. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they deflect and go back into your own goal. We talk about, there are so many variables in this sport. It's not like baseball where you have a pitcher and a catcher and everything is pretty much pristine. There's not a bunch of people running between the pitcher and the batter. Every time we throw the ball, they go, wow, you know, it's like, it's just the pitcher's throwing straight. The batter's hitting the ball straight. That's an analytical thing. You can, you can judge. In this case, there's so much that can happen between the time a shot leaves the stick and the time it gets to a goalie that, you know, and what I think is kind of unfair about this, and, you know, I'm just listening to you guys, who I know you really did a good job explaining this, because I really was, I was been working on the rumor chart, to be honest, so I wasn't even paying attention to the analytics, this whole analytics uh, soap opera. But I think, and I tried to say this before, as a person who doesn't like analytics, I think now they're going to get they're getting slammed too much. I think the idea of analytics sure. is somewhere in the middle. Yes, it yes. always has been in the middle. And what happened before is, you know, oh, you know, they were everything, and that was terrible because they're just a tool. And now, oh, they're terrible. They should, we shouldn't. No, they're still just a tool. They've never changed what they are. They are. No, that's true. But it's just it's the public perception, and now yeah. the public perception has really taken a big hit. But the thing about Florida is, and they probably didn't envision this. They didn't really put a bullseye on their back when they said, "Hey, three years, we're going to win the cup." I mean, for someone like me, I was like no, a didn't. little taken aback. But that didn't do it. This whole move and everything else has done that. Yeah, what the what they did there. was they got rid of two very respected hockey people. That, yeah, that hockey players listen to. Yeah, hockey play because hockey players listen to Dale Talon. They listen to Gerard Gallant. These yes. are guys that hockey players respect, and they they they, they can't sit there because players, you know, if they don't respect you, and I get the feeling that's what's going on right now with the coach down there. Because because there was so much respect for Gallant and Talon, there are players who signed there just because of Talon. Oh sure, um, you know because there's so much respect for those guys. I think that, and they look at Rowe as being the reason, which is maybe not fair to him that those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's. But now they're in the they're in the news yeah. every day. Like Florida is not a team for people that don't really know. They don't have a big press corps. They don't have a big spotlight oh, yeah, shown yeah. on them. But right now. Everybody's talking about Florida for the last week. They only did that only because of the fact that these guys are so respected in Canada. Talon and Gallant, and I'm, I don't mean right. that in a bad way. I'm like just saying if this were two other people, like you know, we've had mix-ups before. But Talon yes. is a really respected Canadian guy who's yes. like, you know, is he Canadian or is he American? Actually, no, actually, he's American. He's American, as I thought. Yeah, Gallant is Canadian though. Yeah, um, I believe I he is. I'm pretty sure. Well, but but here's, I mean. Here's an indication. Willie Mitchell, who was on the team last year, right. this morning tweets out, or yesterday tweets out, just to be clear, feel bad for ex-teammates and fans who need a clear direction and path. Confused by no clear path, st- stunting the kid's growth. Dale Talon, A-OK. So basically a guy who was on the scene last year recognizes right. That what's going on is an unmitigated disaster, and that if Dale Talon has more control on a day-to-day basis, that things are going to be better off. <laughs> Dale Talon's Canadian. I was totally fooled. He is, yeah, who second. am I thinking of? I don't know. 
second pick overall, the Vancouver Canucks. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the guy who lives. Oh shoot, sorry. I'm thinking of the I guy get, who lives I get up. confused though. There, I always say this, and I watch TV shows. What gets me mad Connor. about one second? I'm gonna take that's this. okay. What gets me mad about certain TV shows is when someone's on a show and and they're playing someone like who's an American or a Brit or whatever. And you're like, wow, this guy's like this great American actor, and they're Canadian. I always fall for that. Well, no, it's it's when it's the one that's really infuriating is when it turns out to be somebody who's like Australian, like yeah, um, like there was an actress, Poppy Montgomery, and she was like on one of these uh, like detective shows on, yeah. uh, you know, and you know, then I saw in an interview on some show, and you know, yo, you know, like, and she yeah, like, Tom Hardy's a Brit; he could do any accent, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield is a Spider Man who was a Brit. Who was a Brit? But like, I didn't know. Like when I was a little kid, I didn't know William Shatner was Canadian. He had me fooled. I thought he was an American guy. Yeah. Christian yeah. Bale was British, and he was Batman. So I was like, you know. I'm not shocked that I got that wrong about that. No, I'm not. I, yeah, I mean, I, I you know why You're I got right. it wrong is because I connect him with that group of Americans that um there is yeah, a group of American GMs, and he's not one of those. Um. So anyway, Talon. This this is you know we a lot's been talked about that the same exact thing happened in Chicago with Talon you know that and, yeah. and I will never forget and you were there too Russ covering that 2010 Stanley Cup final which is which is the year after Talon had been removed from there and I've yeah. never seen for a GM being not there for an entire year so many players thanking him when they won the Stanley Cup true it was astonishing it was like okay you know here's uh you know it just that Talon was still their guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the difference in Chicago was, you know, and they did the same kind of thing, believe it or not. They brought in the same kind of people, but Chicago just has had so much talent, you know, that they, that, that, that talented artists, that they were further along when they moved talent out, where Florida was still a couple years from being there when they moved talent out. But if yeah, you wait but, long enough, you know, yeah, you can move. Talent's a team builder. You don't really necessarily need him once you've built the team. But the but the difference the difference is, is that Talent built the team, and then Stan Bowman took it and maybe tweaked it a little bit, added mm -hmm. one piece here or there, sort of like what Brian Burke did in Anaheim. But what what Florida did was they completely they changed in a major direction. They they changed two thirds of their defense. And I, and Russ, one of the things I think is a contributing factor is the fact that they locked up everybody. They locked right. up Smith, Barkov, Huberdo. Right, because their belief was this is our core to win the Stanley Cup. Right. And now we don't know that. Right. And now, and now if they need to make moves, it's going to be tougher to move these guys because they're on long-term deals. But the thing is, and it's it's psychological, there always is a little bit of complacency. Once you sign that big long-term deal and you got the big long money and you're locked in, you know, it's 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 understandable. It's natural for it to be a yeah. little just to sit back and then rest a little bit and and mentally. And you know what? They're all doing it at the same time because there just doesn't seem to be any fire there right now. Right. I mean, and look. I mean, we and we've done this, and everybody's done this sort of second guessing a lot, like the talent stuff in Chicago, like Rick Dudley in Tampa, right? I mean, there there are always GMs that sort of leave their mark. If you go baseball, Omar Mania's mark on the Mets is still huge. Right. Dudley's American. <laughs> Yes, that's what I'm I was just saying. But yeah, so it's Dudley that you're thinking. Okay, I was confusing them for a second there. Oh, yes, Dudley American. Mike? I don't think so. I think he's ah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Ray, Ray Shiro's American. Yes, I know Ray that. Ray Shiro's an American. We know that. I know Lombardi's American. Dean Lombardi is an American. I know uh, Poyle's American. I'm pretty sure Rick Dudley is fr from the Toronto area, but is I'm, he? Uh, 
I'm but sorry. the point is, remember, like with Tampa, he did a lot of those key Tampa things. But he's this a, he, he and, I've always put him and Talon together in a lot of ways. They are very similar, and they are very much hockey people. That's the guy, yeah. and that's the end of the day. I like hockey people, like really yeah. solid hockey people. Yeah, Rick Dudley's from Toronto. So. <laughs> Damn you, Rick Dudley! I thank my neighbors who came you. by during that. Why I had to, uh, the dogs going crazy? I thought you know someone was trying to break into the house, so um, I went upstairs for a second, and um, our neighbors brought us some Christmas cookies. So oh, that's really nice. And and Tom, who watches the show, um, all the time, it's pretty funny. I, I, he, you know, he's like, "Oh my God, you're on this show." Oh, this is when I'm diabetic, so I can't have this it. This is when you're doing the show, right? I'm like, "Yeah, what are you doing, man?" Like, okay, anyway, thanks, um, thanks, anyhow, Tom. I I would rather have Hanukkah cookies, but I'll eat them anyhow. Yeah, I'm I'll kidding. bring this on um, Monday for you. Yeah, bring it on Monday. I'll eat them. <laughs> bring it, bring in some cookies. Um, to take the I'll again. take a picture of them. I'll look at them on Facebook. So I mean, let's. So this is so like I was going to finish my thought on talent for a second. Yes. He's taking he's giving the job back. OK. I'm not going to say he's a spiteful man um, at all um, and because he's definitely a professional. But at the same time. This is not a great spot for him. Like he's now building a team like this is as if, you know, you went and bought a house with your wife. She divorced you. Married somebody else and then brought you back into the house you originally bought and now and says, you know, hey, you can be our, we can be our husband after all. I just I think Talon's got like one. He's got to be twice, once bit, twice shy on this thing. It's like the movie The Money Pit. That's yeah, and as he talks to GMs and he is the he is the point person. I don't know that I'd want him to be the point person for my organization right now. I honestly think he's giving cover to the organization and that's what's what's going on right yeah. now. He's taking the flag. He's under contract. He's being paid, and they, I think you know they've been. They basically went and told him, "Okay, you're still employed by us. We're taking a hit because our group has dropped." The I don't ball. buy that, right? I'll tell you why. And I see that. I see where you're going with it, but Dale Talon won't do that. Okay. Yeah, I like, wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. If he's if he, if he's been giving it back. He's been giving it back with some kind of assurances. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, but he's not going to gonna fire the coach tomorrow either. No, no they're not going to fire the coach. But they said to him, "You." It's like I really have control of this. Yeah, you know he he made but, sure. But the cover, people. but the cover story, which is laughable, is apparently Viola came out and said, "Oh, he's always been in day to day control." Yeah. Well, that was their that was their that that was their. Um, That's a corporate answer. That was their mo from the beginning. They formed a committee. They were they were they were a team right. by committee, and Talon was one of the people on committee. Now right. it sounds like they're less of a committee, and Talon's taking it over. Right. Which is really when you have a person like Dale Talon, you don't want a committee. You don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. You want to have Dale when you have Dale Town, you use Dale Town for what he is. But here's the problem though. So they were playing the, the same group of players. Forget about what they used to have, because Talon knows they're gone. He doesn't care anymore, right? They they know what they had two months ago, what these players were like, and probably could reasonably assess what they were doing now and what they could do in the future. Now you see them under a different coach. Now your player assessment on them is different. Like now, it is very different, and, and so that really changes things when you go to make moves or even just switching lines, even just all those kinds of things. And this really isn't a good thing for Roe. I mean, to have, no. like, I mean, no. to, he's he's in a really bit weird spot now because he's he built that team now as the coach of that team, and now he's like, and every every time this team loses, Talent can sit there and say, "I told you so." Well, isn't it amazing that all this came down the day after he sort of loses it in a press conference in the post game? Yeah, it's it's yeah, ironic. I mean, that, you know, yeah. yeah, I have a little bit of information on that, and there are people that I know down there. That was something that really that did play a factor in that. And oh, there's there, no there, doubt. I could, you know, it, the pressure it, was getting there. You could see the pressure was building anyhow. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount, there are certain people down there that really do care a lot about perception and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the organization not being a Mickey Mouse organization and being professionally run and, and people who work there being professional. And um, that's, uh, that's definitely the case with this one. And when I saw that immediately, I thought to myself, if the people I know that are in power there have any say at all, something's going to go down because that was just completely not going to fly. Yeah. Know? See, I don't think they're a Mickey Mouse organization, but I think they've had a shakeup to the point now where they just don't look stable and it could take the rest of the season just to get stabilized. Like now I would, you know, not count them as a playoff team until they prove otherwise to me. Okay. We got to do a couple other things here. Um, yep. All right, so um, last night, a big hit last night, a, a very controversial play, um, and I don't know if you saw this or not, but I'm, I'm sure you did. I only heard people talking about it. Yeah, yeah. so the I'm um, trying to find the actual hit on my hand. Are, are we talking the uh, the Mike Hoffman cross-check? Yes, Hoffman's cross-check. Where is it? Here. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it, it was brutal. It was pretty bad. Can Alexa it, find that for you? I got it. I got it. Here we go. All right, so we're going to watch this here. I'll bring this up here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexa, find me that cross check. Alexa. <laughs> hey. Oh, there we go. Okay, here we go. So, hold hey! on. Hey! Got it. <laughs> Stop it. I got it. So, I'm going to put this put this on here. We'll see it here. Application. I wish they didn't. Super Google. All right, here we, here we go. Let's All right, so we're going to go back. <laughs> this, is the, this is the, here's the, okay. here's the end of it. So, so there's the hit. Okay. Ooh. Right there. It is pretty bad. And, yeah. you know, I really, and I'm really surprised. Second, this is the second time Couture has had a really bad hit in the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this was really, this was just, I mean, the only, totally uncalled for. The only thing that, I mean, totally does not have a history of this, but this is so. I don't even care about that anymore. Yeah, I'm so I'm sorry saying, with that. Well, right. But I'm saying this is so severe that that's not going to matter. We, I don't know about that. I can't say that. Got to be at least five games. If it, if he had any history at all, it could be ten in my mind. Right. I mean, this he's got to get five. I mean, you hit the guy right in the back of the head. Yeah. Now it breaks all the rules of could he defend himself? No. No. He hits himself in the head, so it's a headshot. He couldn't defend himself. He goes down to the ice. If you want to go with the minority report aspect of it, like how many games is Couture going to miss? Like this, these are all the. We, you got to admit, Eck, there's too many factors here now for oh, us yeah. to try and figure out how many games a guy should get. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it's way too many factors. And <laughs> it tends it, to have a lot to do with history, you know, and, and yeah. it tends to have a lot to do with how seriously the guy's hurt. And, and uh, th those things, neither of those things should matter. I mean, history because, matters to a degree, but not, I mean, get, well, how much a guy gets hurt, I never thought should matter. It, that, that really. I never thought it should matter either. Because it's, it Hoffman, because it's Hoffman, he probably gets in the neighborhood of five games. If it was Rafi Torres, they'd be setting up the gallows somewhere. I, I don't even see where Hoffman's been called yet by the league to have a discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he has been. I don't I don't has know. He? I have I haven't seen it either, but he's gotta be. There's no way. You don't know that. I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but huh. Maybe. I'm looking around. I I'll look around. Um yeah. other well, things. Interesting statistic here for the day. Um, they're both Penguin stats that I have today, which is kind of interesting because the Penguins, the in the the state of Pennsylvania, by the way, is this you know won seventeen collective games in a row. The Penguins winning seven in a row. The Flyers winning ten in a row. Um, the the Sidney Crosby statistics this year of fifty or in fifty regular season games. And, no, and I'm sorry, this is in his last fifty regular season games. This was brought to me. So this is going back last year. Um, that he has sixty four points 
and has a 20.4 shooting percentage in his last 50 in regular season games. It's like Crosby's at the top of his game, no questions asked. This, this is the best. Yeah, I mean, was there ever really a doubt? Like, even when he was struggling last year, I wasn't worried about Sydney. But he Crosby. found another level. Um, yeah. Which, I, which, is, which is always amazing to me. When superstars find another level, that's when you're really talking about something. Because he, I mean, he found, in my opinion, I had never seen him play better than I saw him play at the World Cup of Hockey. I thought that was the most incredible I've ever seen Crosby play. He just, yeah. he, he was dominant among top players. You know, like you're playing all those players and you can be dominant. It's one thing to be dominant when you're playing a rogue, you know, Islanders team or whatever. It's another thing when you're, you're dominant when you're playing top players. And he was dominant then. But the Penguins have set a record that has never been done before. Um, they have now... According to Eliash Sports Bureau, which is, you know, they do a lot of, uh, <laughs> I always call it El- Eliash. I know. Patrick Eliash's Sports Bureau. It's, it's, I know it's not, it's Elias, right? Elias. Elias, sorry. <laughs> according to Patrick Eliash's Sports Service. But according to Elias Sports Service, the Penguins have become the first team ever to do something. What do you think that is? Uh, I know it's hard to guess that, but yeah. But I gave you a hint earlier. They're really, they're really the first team to have the, the cheese and the pretzel that you could dip into the cheese in the press box. They are the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, they are the first to actually no, no chip, chip, no chip in the Stanley cup finals. Give us amazing first level seats all the time for the auxiliary, where the auxiliary press box is yes. way better than the regular press box. Yes. In the, in the, if you're a member of the auxiliary media, like, Oh yeah, just way better. It's not even close. Um, anyway, no, the penguins have become the first team ever to have 10 straight seasons with seven game win streaks in them. That's pretty crazy. So think about that. They've, Interesting. They've won seven straight. They've won seven games in a row in ten seasons in a row. Well, it's going to be tougher to win seven seven games in a row because uh, just came over the wire. Chris Letang is out a couple weeks with a lower. Well, he's already high. done it. No, they've already done it this year. That's the point. I, I know. It was a nice <laughs> transition try. But yeah, that boy Letang just keeps getting beat up. I, I I'm amazed that he keeps coming back and back and back. But here's the thing. Yeah, he does. I know me too. But here's the dominance about that. That's crazy because this team, the Penguins team has not been for the last 10 years. I mean, they won two, they won three Stanley cups now, right? Three Stanley cups. Is that correct? Two, two Stanley cups. They've been to the Stanley cup. They've been into three. They've, they've won two in Always 10 years. Right. So, I mean, the, the Chicago Blackhawks haven't done this and they've won three cups, you know, um, it's like, it's very interesting to me that you're not going to call them a dynasty. Are you? Cause I'm telling you, I'm going to fight it if you do. No, they're not a dynasty because they had some down years there. Um, But they are – and but the thing about the streak to me that's interesting is this does kind of define the Penguins, as I think of them over the last 10 years, a streaky team. That's what they are. They they tend to – and you know, it's not like they've done this all the time. I mean, they've had – last year they probably did this at the end of the year, I'm sure. But they've had sections of of their career, you know, in the career of the last 10 years of the Pittsburgh Penguins where they were not very good at all. But – but they always find a way to win seven games in a row at some point, and that's going to get – and usually well, – the, the thing that you can go back to, though, with the Penguins is they still have two of the ten best players in the game, maybe two of the best five best players in the game. And if you do that, you're always going to be dangerous. Yeah, and you can and you can afford to lose. And they've you know they've had moments when Malkin's been out, when Crosby's been out, yeah. but they had the other one. Um, uh, finally, I wanted to – but I just thought that was an incredible stat. The, uh, the last thing I wanted to – Throw this thing to you, Russ, if I can speak it all out. Uh, Kevin LeBlanc. Yeah, Kevin LeBank. Kevin LeBank. Thank you. Staten Island kid. Staten Island kid. Um, wins it for the Sharks last night, scoring his first ever NHL his first ever NHL shootout attempt. Um, and this is a, obviously an incredibly talented young player 
for the show. It's an amazing thing what's happened with this kid because I went and covered a game up in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. I wanted to see McDavid and Ekblad, right? I said, this game will set me up to see these two guys facing off each other. One's going to be the first pick of next year. One's going to be the first, next pick. And, and I noticed Kevin LeBanc. And so I, you know, I told the, the Barry guy, hey, get me Kevin LeBanc too. And I interviewed this kid. And I was impressed with the fact that how under the radar he was and how just down to earth he was. And he knew he, he had even been involved with the U.S. system to some degree. And I didn't really know about him. And, mm -hmm. and so I watched him, right? He gets drafted. He probably gets drafted later than he should. Then he leads the OHL in scoring and still really doesn't get yeah. all that much press or fanfare. Now he's up in the NHL. I mean, you look at the Sharks and like this is an amazing draft pick for the Sharks. And, oh, and incredible. the funny thing is he he led the OHL in scoring last year, and I heard a lot of people poo-poo that because they said yeah. guys like Strom and Marner and Debrinkat all and Kachuk all went to the World Junior and LeBanc didn't. You know what? Based on the fact of how he's playing now, it's not a fluke. He's a he's no. a player. He's, he's a, a player. He's not a superstar or anything, but he's a player. This move is gutsy, though. This is a good one. I'll show you. Right, see so this is a good, this is a really fun, this is a fun, like, to, for a rookie, this is first ever penalty shot slash, you know, whatever you want to call it, shootout goal. So watch this move. That's pretty good. I love the fact he throws the leg. Yeah. Um, and really, there's a, it's a really, I mean, that, that he, was a. He's a competent kid. Um, over the summer, you know, I covered the uh, the NHLPA Rookie Showcase. I'll actually play the interview now with Kevin LeBanc on this week's Off the Post on Friday night. Sorry, bad plug. Um, but the thing is, I spoke to LeBanc that day because he was doing some amazing tricks on the ice, like throwing the puck up almost to hit the ceiling and having it land on his stick. And, and I'm like, do you practice this? Is this something? And he goes, yeah, a little bit. But, you know, you take these things for granted, how amazing some of these guys' eye-hand coordination is. And that was something that really caught my eye because it was at Ryerson University, and he is throwing the puck almost to hit the ceiling, and he had it land on his stick. And I'm like, you know, this is a reason why this guy does score goals, and he, the stick and puck control is everything. That's somebody who spent a lot of time practicing. You yeah. Know, like somebody who can do that. I mean, that takes a lot, you know, that some skills you'll see players do once in a while like that are just, you know, guys who just spent hours and hours and hours and hours by themselves working on things like that. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's, and it's an incredible little under the radar thing for a team that went to the Stanley Cup finals last year. And that, you know, that doesn't need a lot more depth, but they are getting it from him. Um, yeah. The contribution that he's making right now sort of makes up for the waste that Michael Bodker has been. I think, what has he got, one goal, Russ? Yeah, I think so. Um, four, million, four million bucks a year for four years. You know, he was a, you know, he went, was, went in Arizona, got traded to Colorado, big free agent signing, you know, significant money, and he has done absolutely nothing in San Jose. Yeah. So they, 171st overall pick. In the draft, and you know, like even Jimmy BC's brother Nolan was in yeah. the sixth round of that draft. Like, you're not going to find any other sixth rounders from that draft playing in the uh, NHL. Rattle Fazeev, Fazeev scored. He scored last night. He's in that sixth round. But this guy's in the NHL now. It's unbelievable. And he well, led the OHL in scoring. I mean, like you're talking about, yes. that's like a crazy is, thing. I mean, the good, the good comparison, Russ, is Connor Brown. Connor Brown is a sixth yeah. round pick, led the OHL in scoring, and now. Yeah. Not us gonna. He's not gonna be a superstar player in the league, but he's gonna be a good, competent player. So yeah. you know, way to go for San Jose.
And finally, I had to thank somebody for this to send it in Reddit just now. I saw somebody sent me this. <laughs> we appreciate it. And if you have, you know, send to eklanhockeybuzz.com. The um the Kyle Opozo slightly getting happier as 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 his career goes on picture. This is incredible. <laughs> Here it is. So ready. Um <laughs> <laughs> these are all the Opozo pictures. As time's got on, you can see slowly. Well, that last that last picture is he knows he's a free agent at the end of the year, so he's getting the hell out of Long Island or getting the hell off of Brooklyn. No, that last picture is in the Buffalo. The last one is when he got big money. That's Buffalo, yeah. That's like well, Buffalo, no, Jersey. No, I know. I'm saying the last yeah, time. Yeah, saying the one, one before that. Okay. The one before that, right. Yeah, he's getting out of there. But it's so funny how uh, how he slowly gets happier throughout these pictures. Um, I just think they have a better photographer in Buffalo than they do for Long Island. I think that's all it is. If you ever see, saw the uh, – we talked about before that that one of these um, NHL behind-the-scenes things, I forget what it's called, with him and his when his wife when his wife gave birth and that whole – that's a great one. Um, I don't know. I forget what it is. I haven't seen it, but, yeah, he's a good guy. He – Really good guy. And he is a guy that got pigeonholed on the island. You know, he, just the same way Braden Shen before this last week was getting pigeonholed again in Philly. You know, there are some guys that could score 60, 65 points, and the fan base will say, yeah, it's a bad 60 points. It is. Right. right. Well, that's ridiculous, as we know. But um, all right, guys, we'll be back again tomorrow. Um, roughly same bad time, same bad channel. Remember without the – without hmm, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> so I have to tell you, so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so tired because I was out last night throwing water on the rink um, in my attempt to get get that going. And I'm still, as we speak right now, slowly trickling water onto the rink so that my hoses don't freeze. Um, that's I the worst thing in the world. I got up the middle of the night last night and I'm like, oh gosh, it's 10 degrees outside. I got to go outside and this is the perfect time to do it. I go outside and realize that I've got a 200 foot hose that is frozen. See, they don't have a guy like this. You know, they have groundskeeper Willie on The Simpsons, but they need like an ice rink Eck on The Simpsons. I know, I know, they do. So, so you know, then it was me trying to get the me trying to get the hose unfrozen, which is you know fun. Um, but I got that done, and then slowly but surely, you know, but does anybody in your house care? Oh yeah, no, do they? No, because like I said to you guys, no. what's going to happen is this: I am oh going to do this God. all day today. I'm going to do it all day tomorrow, and then Friday night's going to come. And I'm going to be like, hey, guys, let's go skating. And they'll be like, yeah, that's all right. Never mind. So that's what will happen. And I will just look dejected in the corner until someone figure, until maybe my wife will say, hey, you know, dad worked really hard on that. Um, Does your wife skate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she'll actually do it. She'll go out. She, she, she'll she come out. Out, and of then, pity, out of pity for you. Out of pity, she'll skate with me for a while. <laughs> but, um, but right now, you know, it's you have to do it slowly. And, like, all right. Layers. So here's the thing, Eck. Before we go. Yeah. Like in back in the roller skating days, they would have that, you know, you'd be out there skating for 10 minutes and then it would be couples only, right? And then they would put yeah. on a song. I got to tell you, one time, this is how old I am, it's sad. They actually put Siberian Katru on at the roller rink. But anyhow. Yes. Yeah. But, but was somebody really somebody really stoned and they was running yeah, them. It had to be. It had to be. But anyhow, so this is it. So you and your wife are out there. It, nobody else cares. You've got the lights going. The big the giant song? dice. The big yes. giant dice you throw out. Remember that? What is the song going for the couple skate? Uh, for us, it would be um, it would be uh, "Heaven" by Brian Adams. I would say uh, <laughs> that's a good song. It's fine. That's a perfect roller skating couples only song, though. I'm trying yeah. to think of a good one, like from my, you know, that one or like "Forever Young." You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe that. That'd be good. <laughs> no, I think so. But, you know, we'll see. But the You're problem is, like, I was so disappointed. I'm, 
when I looked at the weather yesterday, when I started doing this, I'm like, you know what? It's going to be really cold for like six days in a row, and that's great. And now it's going to be raining in like 56 on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be 61 degrees on Saturday. I know. So my whole my whole motivation is. So now I'm going to I'm going to go. Am I going to go through the whole thing again where I try to shield the rain from the rink and make myself and kill myself? Oh, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. All the all the possibly have ice skating on Christmas morning, which is what everybody wants around here. Let nature. Yes, what I would do is I would put. I would wrap the top of the rink in cellophane so that the the rain will just simply bounce off of it. I've embrace, tried that. Embrace, <laughs> embrace the global warming. Did That's you try it with glad wrap? Did you use no, glad no, no. wrap? No, no, no. I'll buy myself a sixty <laughs> by forty foot tarp, and I'll and I'll and I'll screw it to some two by fours, and I'll try my best to fight the <laughs> elements again. What will happen is I'll I'll. Block instead of blocking the water off like you should be, so the water yeah. rolls off the side, which I will try to do. I'll angle one side up and I'll bring it down like this. Instead, what'll happen is all the water will will be just funneled into the middle, which will drop to the rink. The middle of the tarp will drop to the rink and melt the entire thing. Yeah, this is the problem. You're a math guy, but now you're mixing math and science. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that you just can't defeat, you know, and it, it, this would all be fixed by simply. Quitting. You know, moving someplace Listen, colder. Mother Nature's undefeated, man. Moving someplace colder. Yeah, you just can't beat it. You can't beat her. She's she's a bitch. Anyway, uh, we'll talk to you later. Without the, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. See you soon.